Welcome to Seeds, a show where we talk about purpose with inspiring people making a positive impact with their lives. We are particularly interested in social enterprises and entrepreneurs. We will listen to them reflect on their journeys and take time to dig deeper in order to better understand what really motivates their choices. Well, hey everyone, welcome along to this episode. I'm glad you could join me as we're going to be learning about mathematics, which is a subject which many of us may not have as enjoyed as much as Lauren Burr enjoyed it. And she has been teaching mathematics for many years now, and she's someone I got to know about 20 years ago, so we have a long history. And over the summer, um, she and her family were traveling around the South Island, and they parked their camper van right in front of our house. And so I said to her, why don't we do a podcast? Here's an excerpt from our conversation. Awesome. And then I thought, actually, I do love maths. Mm. And the more I did at uni, the more I was convinced that Mm. it's beautiful. Mm. You know, down to fractals that are these just amazing pictures all created using mathematics. And they just keep zooming in. Mm. And there's more and more. I I see pictures in my head. Mm -hmm. And that sounds so crazy when I say it out loud but to me I see the same beauty in a good piece of literature mm-hmm. as I do in a good mathematical equation thinking of trig identities that start a line long and halfway through the manipulation I've got four lines of just manipulation and then suddenly it all comes down to one neat little statement and to me that's absolutely beautiful it's like taking a scene and describing it and then um, condensing it down into one beautiful sentence. Mm. Well, I know this subject is a bit of a contrast from the previous week's episodes where I've been focusing on social enterprise and charities, but the beauty of having your own podcast is that you can choose to put on whatever you want. So I do hope you enjoy this because we have a great conversation about Lauren's life and what really motivates her and the people who've influenced her on her journey. If you enjoy this episode, then consider checking out the almost 100 other episodes in the back catalog. Now let's get into this conversation with Lauren. So it's a pleasure to welcome Lauren Burr here to the podcast. Thank you for joining me. Well, thanks for having me. Um, on this podcast, and I know you've listened to some of the podcasts, haven't you? I have. So yeah. that's always a, that's always makes it easier for me <laughs> because I don't have to explain everything. But basically, the first half of the show, we talk about the person and sort of where they're from, what they've done. Mm-hmm. And then the second half, we talk about what they're doing now. And in your case, I'd really love to understand a bit more about a subject that some of us didn't enjoy in school as much as others. Which I'm working on changing. Which you're working on changing, which is mathematics. Yes. And um, I'd really love to understand your perspective on it, because I think for a lot of us, you know, it's it's something that we maybe put up with and didn't really embrace the way we could have. Which is so, so sad, because it's beautiful. Well, that's what I want to discover, you see. I want to... I want to understand more of that perspective. Yeah, well, originally it was under humanities, so it oh. is beautiful. Yeah, right. Well, what, let's get into that. But before we do that, let's start at the beginning and just tell me a little bit about where you're from. Oh, I'm from the North Island. Mm-hmm. And I say that quite randomly at times because I was born right in the middle of the North Island in a place called Taumaranui, which is absolutely gorgeous. But I left when I was seven, and that was probably a good thing because it's a very tiny town. Right. And um, so I've lived all around. Um, My dad had a career change, and um, so we got 
to move to several different places that I would never have experienced if if he hadn't. And I've got a really cool family. So um, I've yeah. gotten that sense because you're actually staying in a camper van outside of our house right now. <laughs> so yes, we've had several dinners and things. Um, and I've gotten that sense, you know, we talked about family holidays and you used to do puzzles and, you know, like there's a real sense of family. Yeah, my family are really tight. Um and, and that's what happens when you move around a lot. My dad was a Baptist pastor. And so um, the consistent thing between all of the different churches that we went to and the different towns we visited was each other. Mm. So um, even though we wouldn't have admitted it when we were teenagers, my sister and I have always been incredibly close. Right. But if you'd said that to us at age 17, 18, we would have run screaming from the room. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but and just, just to pick up yeah. on, because you said that your father had had a career change. So he, did he come into that later in life or something? Or Yeah, like? so he started. Um, the first thing I remember was him um, being a telephone technician. All right. And he loves electronics. So he would be in seventh heaven sitting here with you with all the recording equipment. Yeah. So um, <laughs> he started installing telephone systems and um, maintaining them. And then um, God said, no, I've, I've got another plan for you. So he, we all packed up and moved to Auckland. Right. And So this is when you were seven? I was, yeah, seven. Oh. Turned seven about... Three weeks before we moved town. Oh. And do you have memories of that time? Oh, like, I loved it. It was yeah. amazing. Um, we lived in this tiny two-bedroom flat on the, um, it's now called Kerry College, but it, back then it was the Baptist Theological College. And it was almost like living in a commune, but not with all of those negative connotations that come with it. Right. Um, so, you know, my best friend lived... Uh, 10 metres in one direction um, and then we had, we just would run around, run around outside in the sunshine and it was really fun. Yeah, pretty ideal childhood then. Yeah, yeah, and we always knew that there was someone looking out for us. We were never alone mm. unless we really wanted to be. Mm. And do you remember like when you were six about to turn seven, I don't know, was there a moment when your parents came and said, right, kids, we are moving to Auckland? And, or or is it a hazy sort of... It's hazy. I, I don't remember them telling us. Actually, the thing I remember was them saying we couldn't take all of our toys. Oh, right. Because <laughs> <laughs> as kids, you know, we were pretty lucky and we had lots of stuff. So um, we were told one box because we were going from a, a really nice three-bedroom house down to a two-bedroom apartment that was tiny. Right. And so we had one box. And um, this is something I've tried to do with my daughter is say, actually... We don't need all the stuff we've got. So how can we weed out what we've got and just take the important stuff? Mm -hmm. And I always thought that I'd regret giving up three quarters of my toys. There's only one thing I missed, and I don't even remember what it was. Right. <laughs> so, you know. So it was an early to... life lesson in um, simplicity. <laughs> yes, yes. But don't tell my husband because I'm now not simplistic right. but um yeah it happens doesn't it the house fills up oh, to I know. you know if there's available space then generally things appear <laughs> that's right I, I have a space there i have to put something yeah, in there it must, we need something <laughs> <laughs> so um 
So you're quite young when you moved there, and then mm. you said your childhood was a series of moves. Was it all in the North Island or down South yes, Island as no, well? We, we've never been to the – well, I mean, we visited the South Island, but yeah. um, all of the places that we were based were in the North Island. Yeah. Um, and is that quite common to move, you know, three or four years and then on to the next? Well, the original uh, was three years training. Okay. So um, we were in Auckland for those three years. Okay. And then from there we went to Patararu. And um, that was lovely. Mm. Um, but mum and dad had the call to go to another church. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's usually anywhere between three and 15 years-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, I can't remember how long we spent in Patararu, probably only about three years. Mm-hmm. And then we went to Otaki, and that's where I spent my, all my teenage years. Okay. So my parents are still on the Kapiti Coast. Right, yeah. Yeah, and you live in Wellington now, right? Yes, Lower Hutt. Lower Hutt. Mm. I need to be precise. Well, we like to distinguish ourselves yes. slightly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a great place to be. And, and the funny thing is, you know, I feel like you're one of those people in my life who I've actually known a really long time. We were reflecting on this last night. Yes. You know, it was like 2001 when I first moved to Wellington. I met you and your husband, Greg, I think. Mm. You know, it. so that's like 17 years. I know. And it, you know... But, of course, Crazy. we're young, you know. <laughs> yeah. Time goes by. We were children at the time. Of course, oh, yes. Of course. We were three and four years old. <laughs> <laughs> so um, just talk me through your teenage years, because what I really want to understand is mathematics and, um, you know, your love of that. Was mm-hmm. that something that came early on or how? Yeah. I, I was actually talking to someone about this yesterday. I always thought I had a passion for maths and that I was always good because all of the students around me would go, oh, you've obviously been doing this forever and you're so good. Yeah. Um, and I was actually a year ahead in maths at high school. Um, my mum was actually trying to scare me into learning to study and I just kept fluking the exams. So I just had a natural infinity. Mm-hmm. But then... Uh, when I was in my 20s, I went home and found an old school uh, report from primary school in Auckland. Right. And it said, um, great at PE, which my daughter laughs at now, um, but not very good at maths, needs extra help and needs to learn her basic facts. There you go. And I always thought that I was And you thought was it brilliant. was just naturally. I know. Natural born. Yeah. <laughs> so so actually, it's a learnt thing. Mm. Um but my parents had a really positive attitude towards education and towards maths and science. Mm. You know, we were we were always encouraged. Yes, it's helpful, it's useful. Mm. And where did that come from for them, I mean? Yeah, I've always wondered that. And it's just our families, our extended families have just loved education. Right. So there was there was no magic thing of uh we've we've got this or we haven't got this. It was just you've got this opportunity mm-hmm. to learn, so let's just embrace it. Mm. And did you know, sort of, in your high school years, you said you were, you were studying quite a lot of maths. Was that something at that point that you thought, yes, this is the direction I want to head? Or did you have a, like, give us a picture of who you were as a young teenager? Yeah, that's a really good question, actually. Um, I, long term, always wanted to be a music teacher. Right. Music and maths are really heavily entwined, and mm. most people don't realise that. Mm. Um, but I'm actually too lazy to be a professional musician. Uh, it takes far too much practice, and I just can't be bothered, which is sad. Um, 
But I think then last night we were talking. You said you played the flute, right? Was yes. That yes. One was that your main instrument? So my at main that instrument time, is flute. Yeah. Um, so I did performance in year eleven on the flute, mm-hmm. and then I decided that that wasn't a very practical instrument, so right. I took up piano, mm-hmm. and did six form cert performance mm-hmm. on piano, mm-hmm. um, which was crazy, and still passed. Um, so yeah, I was going down that I'm going to be a music teacher track, mm. and the maths was just my fun. I see. Um, which is hilarious because now it's completely flipped, and maths is my life, and music is my fun. Right. <laughs> <laughs> which is good because it's. It, I don't think it's ever good to make your passion your lifestyle. The only thing. Yeah. Yeah. So t- tell me a little bit, and we're kind of jumping ahead into mass itself, but you mentioned the intertwining of music and mass and how they're connected and related. Mm. Just expand that a little bit more. What do you mean by that? Um, well, I'm going to leap sideways for a moment and then come back to that. That sounds good. I, I um, As a senior student, I actually helped um, a few student, junior students with their maths mm. because uh, I don't like people struggling and I'd love to help them if I can. And there was one guy I said, I need to teach you fractions we need to get round fractions, so we're going to sit down and we're going to write some music. If you think about a bar in music, it's, uh, you know, generally it's about four beats, and it's broken down into, you can have quavers and crotchets and minims and however mm-hmm. those notes go together. Um, the American system call them half notes and quarter notes and mm-hmm. and so actually when you're sitting down and reading a piece of music or writing a piece of music, you're doing fractions. Right. And and if you think about it, it takes two quarter notes to make a half note. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're doing a quarter plus a quarter is a half. And so the higher you get in music, the more mathematical it is because you've got to be analysing all of those little nuances and the mm. how long is this beat compared to this other one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, and one of my best friends from uni um, who also went through the flats that uh, where we met. Mm. Um, he is the same as me, except he went down the music path. Mm. Um, he's actually better at maths than I am, um, but I'm never going to admit that to him right. to well, his face. Just don't let him listen to this then. No. Right? no. <laughs> Steve, if you're listening, I did not say that. Um, yeah, so he... Uh, just, so he went down... This other path mm. that was related, which was the music. Yeah. yeah. So he's taken his maths down the music path, because, mm-hmm. and he's an incredible musician. Mm. Um, but it's it's all related. And so you find if you've got a kid that's really good at music, mm-hmm. they will naturally feel better about numbers, but they still might be scared of them. And that's what I'm trying to get around, mm-hmm. that fright of numbers and, and fractions. I don't know why fractions are scary, but they are. Mm-hmm. So so when I was tutoring, I was like, well, well, let's not do maths. Let's do something that you're interested in. I and, see. And hey, look, you're actually doing maths. Right. And because they have the interest in music, that's the that's the door opening to be able to understand maths. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Well, let's come back to that a little bit. I'm keen to understand sort of the end of high school and (laughs) you think you're headed down the becoming a teacher, you know, a music teacher. Um, yeah, just explain sort of what happened next. And well, I went to university and, and, you know, you go to university and you go, what am I going to do? And you open the book and there's everything. And I looked at several different unis and I actually chose it on which one would let me do maths and music. 
Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not want to do a BSc because I don't like that science stuff. Um, I don't mind science, but it wasn't where my passion was. Mm-hmm. So I looked for a BA in maths and music. So I've done music history. Loved it. It was amazing. Um but my main degree was in the mathematics because my performance wasn't good enough. I actually injured my finger, and so mm. I can't play for too long before a bit of pain kicks in. Mm. Um, and so I specialised in maths and did music as my interest and English literature because I love reading, mm-hmm. and um, I'm always picking up a book and going, what is the person actually trying to say? And right. so sitting down and, and analysing that with a, with a group of people is just so much fun. Mm. So I've got this really bizarre degree. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you had a number of interests there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. From literature to mass to music. I mean, uh-huh. that's, yeah, real diverse. Yeah, and it would just, it all fell into this amazing degree mm. that I've got, which is um, my sister teases me because I've got a BA, Bachelor mm. of Attendance. I've heard them all. Um, <laughs> but I've got all my interests in there, and, mm. it's, and it's awesome. And then I thought, actually, I do love maths. Mm. And the more I did at uni, the more I was convinced that mm. it's beautiful. Mm. You know, down to fractals that are these just amazing pictures all created using mathematics and they just you keep zooming in mm. and there's more and more. And See, now the way you describe it, it's almost like it's snowing outside and each individual snowflake is, is beautiful, right? Like yes. the way you're describing it. But for many of us, and me included, <laughs> I always enjoyed reading and writing, you know, like novels and and that's in history and that side of things Mm -hmm. so for me when i went through um you know fifth form sixth form seventh form i felt like i had to do statistics like that was that was the thing i needed to tick to show that he can do those things as well so i did statistics you can play with numbers yeah i can i know about numbers yeah Yeah. (laughs) but it was never something that i enjoyed and i'm wondering if it was down to the teachers that I had, or just explain to us more about the beauty of mathematics. I I see pictures in my head, mm-hmm. and um, that sounds so crazy when I say it out loud, but to me, I see the same beauty in a good piece of literature mm-hmm. as I do in a good mathematical equation. Um, so know, what's going on there when you see it? It's the precision of it? The, yeah. The, this adds up to this number or and i i look at an equation and i go and and i'm talking here about algebra because i did a lot you, the higher you get the less numbers you use and that's what freaks people out mm. um so when i was doing um uh i'm thinking of trig identities that start a line long and halfway through the manipulation i've got four lines of oh, just manipulation and then suddenly it all comes down to one neat little statement and to me that's absolutely beautiful it's like taking a scene and describing it and then um condensing it down into one beautiful sentence Mm. so a bit like the way poetry is short sweet Mm -hmm. and memorable Mm -hmm. rather than a long book or something yes Mm. so to me the maths is actually in some ways um a poem Mm mm-hmm 
And I know people think that I'm really crazy to say that. <laughs> but I, I see that. And I also see the pictures of it. So um, most people think of maths and they think algebra and they think number. Mm. Measurement is amazing. You know, it, we all do it every day. Mm. How tall are we? How much do we weigh? But we ignore that one. Um, <laughs> let's, let's draw a picture and only use circles and squares. Mm. It's all mathematical. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, my, my husband is an architectural draftsman and um, I just love sitting down and looking at his, his drawings that he does and they're all done with straight edge and, well, they used to be straight edge and compass. Um, now it's all computerized. Mm-hmm. But the, the precision that goes into that, highly mathematical. Mm-hmm. So I had a debate the other night with um, with a friend who um, I haven't caught up with in years, and um, her new husband, and he said to me, I asked the teacher, and oh, get this all the time, when am I ever going to use this? And the teacher said, just sit down, be quiet, and do your work. Right. Memorize. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Just do the exercises. And, and that's actually one thing I love about the NCEA system that we use in New Zealand over the regurgitate exam system that um, we used to use. Mm. Don't get me wrong. I love doing school C. I shouldn't admit to that. Um, <laughs> because you could just memorize the stuff, write it down, and you're done. Um, the new system says you've got all these skills. They're pointless unless you're actually going to use them practically. So, you have to design a logo for a new company. And you uh, you have to describe how you could do it so that we can actually write the computer program to produce it. That's maths. And someone said to me, but that's not maths. And I'm like, that's what we do. Mm. It's actually using all of the skills that we learn, these basic number, algebra, measurement and putting them to practical use. Mm. So the idea is that everything has a foundation mm-hmm. and that likely most things, if you boil it down, is a foundation of mathematical principles. Is that I, basically I think, what you're saying? Yeah, a, a lot of people are using maths without even realizing it, mm-hmm. and they do it without being terrified. But as soon as I say, ha-ha, you're doing maths, you, you get that glazed look of, panic Mm. i can't believe i'm doing maths Mm. it's like actually it's everywhere yeah yeah well it makes sense we live in a a world of uh precision and numbers and Mm -hmm. distances and calculations and and if my husband is two millimeters out on his drawings the building's going to fall down right you know he's going to make sure that each line adds up to the right total yeah that's maths you've got to uh be accurate right (laughs) absolutely so so just talk us through then. So you're getting to the end of your degree mm-hmm. and you have this realization that you that you love maths. Was that, do you remember it being a moment or was it like just this gradual, oh, actually, I'm going to leave behind the musical side and concentrate more here. Yeah. How did it work for you? It was quite gradual. Right. Um, and I don't think I'll ever leave behind the music. I'm still mm-hmm. on the music team at my church. Mm-hmm. Um We've got a piano that I sit down and play when I have spare time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was this idea that I've grown to love this subject mm. and I want other people to love this subject and I want to share that and I want to, I, I don't want people to say to me, 
oh, you're so you're, you must be so brilliant because you right. can do maths. I want everybody to have that. So I thought, yes, I'd love to be able to teach music, but actually it's a lot more practical practical to be able to teach maths. Mm. I always suspected I was going to be a teacher. Right. I've just got that personality apparently. Um, so it was a natural step to go to teacher's college. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mixed up what I was going to teach just in right. those three years of my degree. I see. And that suspicion that you would be a teacher, was that, again, something that you'd sort of felt a long time then? Yeah. I I don't actually remember when I decided I was going to teach, mm-hmm. but I it was always in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, my grandmother, who passed away when I was really young, was a teacher. And mm-hmm. I was always very proud of the fact that my grandmother was a very highly trained teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought... Actually, I could be like her. She was great. Mm. Oh, that's good. So you go and you do that teacher's training. Mm -hmm. And then at that point, how does it work? Do you raise your hand when you get your first job and say, hey, I love maths? We're actually trained for secondary, specifically in our subject area. So um, at Wellington, where Mm -hmm. I did it, we had to choose two subject areas. So um, I always joke on I am actually qualified to teach both maths and English. Um, But I didn't want to teach English because I didn't want to mark essays. Right. (laughs) And then I became a stat specialist marking Uh, essays. Oh, I see. I haven't avoided it. Um, Yeah, so I did uh, actually three subject areas in the end. I did um, maths and English and performing arts Mm. because that's just fun. Um, And two of my best friends who um, I came through Teachers College with. We still catch up. We try to catch up once a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were in my performing arts class. Hmm. So that's where we made the the lifelong friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I specialised in, in the maths and English, knowing that I would have to choose one of those areas when I got out. Right. And there are not many maths teachers. Right. So um, in the end, I only applied for maths jobs. Right. And so, I, f- I figured if they needed me as an English teacher as well, I could pick up a junior English class. If you needed to. If I needed to. <laughs> and what was it like the first few months of being a teacher compared to the, you know, the training for it? Because it... Terrifying. I, yeah. Absolutely terrifying. Um, so the the course that I did was the one-year grad dip. Right. So it's sort of... Uh, three quarters in lectures mm-hmm. and a quarter out in schools. Oh, it might even be a bit more. Um, so I experienced being in a classroom and teaching in a classroom, always with my associates sitting at the back of the room ready to take over if anything went wrong. Right. And then I went out into the school and it was a big school. And there were these, the, every hour new students would come in. Yeah. <laughs> and actually one of the most terrifying things was learning all their names. Right. And I, outwardly, I seem very loud and outgoing. I'm horribly shy. <laughs> <laughs> and so meeting a hundred people in the first day was terrifying. Right. Um, and but so it was great. do you develop a strategy for remembering the names, like at the end of the year? <laughs> that is such a good idea. Uh, no, no. And actually the first six weeks... I'd have them all down pat. I'd be absolutely fine. Right. About week seven or eight, I'd start to doubt myself. Mm-hmm. And that's when everyone becomes sweetie. Right. Oh, okay. Or honey. Come yeah. up to the board and, yeah. Yeah. I've never used hey you. 
it's been tempted to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and the reality of um, of teaching, what were some of the other things that surprised you? Like, because I think when you're training for anything, you know, like I'm a lawyer, mm. I trained for a number of years to become a lawyer, but actually being a lawyer is quite different to studying to be a lawyer. And so I'm just yeah. curious from a teacher, you know, you, you studied that year and then you're actually in the classroom. What are the, some of the things that... I think one of the most important things that they didn't drill into us enough or I didn't realise they were drilling into us mm -hmm. was that actually it's not about our subject, it's about the relationships that we build with the students. Right. And so um, you could have all of the best knowledge in the world but if the students don't relate to you and can't understand what you're talking about, they're never going to learn. Mm. So... Um, so how do you build that relationship with students? Get to know them mm -hmm. and actually spend time talking to them. So I, I would, it's, it's funny because uh, people walk into my classroom and my students will be talking about something completely different at times, but I always bring them back to the subject. Mm. There is a reason why they're in the classroom. But actually talking about their lives and talking about, you know, actually what did you do on the weekend and oh, you're interested in music, so am I. Mm -hmm. I, I got involved with the school orchestra. Mm -hmm. So at one school I started actually just playing in the orchestra with them and managing them on trips. Um, and then at my latest school, I've, I've managed the orchestra for 12 years. Mm -hmm. Getting to know them outside the classroom, it's just made all the difference. Mm. Because they see that I'm a real person. Mm-hmm. And I see that they're more than just a student sitting at a desk complaining about being in my room again. Mm. So I think part of part of my mantra as a teacher is actually it's got to be fun. If it's not fun, it's not worth doing. Mm. And that's fun for them and for you as well, right? That's right. I yeah. do not like being bored. So if I'm going to be bored in a classroom, I hate to think how bored my students are. Yeah. So how do you keep it fresh then as a teacher? You know, because this is, the material is similar every year, right? <laughs> you know, like, oh gosh, how a, do you mm. um, keep it fresh for yourself as much as the students? Yeah. I don't know if I've actually thought about that seriously. Um <laughs> But I mean, you enjoy it. You, like you've been doing it for a long time now. Oh, I How love many it. years has it been? Do well, you I started teaching in two thousand. Okay. Yeah. So just yeah. before I met you. Yeah. Um, so we're we're recording this in January two thousand nineteen. So you're about nineteen years yeah, into it. Nineteen so years. So that's a long time to stay fresh and still enjoy it yourself as much as you do. Yeah. I. I mean, part of it is when I give them examples, I try to use their names and things that they're talking about. Mm -hmm. My yes, so I the school that I've been teaching at for the last thirteen years, um, secondary starts at year seven. Okay. And so I have taught year seven and eight, and one of the most memorable lessons that my year sevens talked about at the end of the year, we were doing probability, and normally you know we'd sit down and you'd mm -hmm. talk about counters. Now I got them all up. We moved all the desks and we made these shoots. And I said, you're lining up to go to Panic at the Disco. Right. One of my students had been off at Panic at the Disco for yeah. the concert. And I said, right, you're going. Now you've got to line up. Now I'm going to roll the dice. Uh -huh. The difference between the numbers, that door is going to pop open and one of you can get through. Uh -huh. How fast can we get the whole class through? And for 
an hour on and off. They redistribute it themselves and then we'd run that and get them all through and they go, we can do it faster. Right. And that was just, yeah. Making it real. Making it real. Yeah. And at the end, they had been doing all sorts of difficult, complicated calculations. But they didn't realise it. They Mm. thought they were queuing up to get into a concert. Right. (laughs) Um, And so they still talk about, oh, that party game. What party game? Oh, you know, you know, the disco one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And how else, how else do you, okay, it's the start of the school year. You've got a new set of students coming in. Clearly you love mathematics. Mathematics is beautiful to you, but for most people, they've never thought of it that way. How do you start to engage them and, and bring them on that journey of understanding the way you do? It actually starts with the parents as well. Okay. So I can enthuse the kids as much as, you know, as hard as I can and Mm. get them to try and get them to the same point as me. Yay, we're happy to be in class. But if the parents at home are giving them the message that, oh, you have to go to maths, Uh. it's never going to sink in. So I actually start, you know, we have uh, at the school I'm at, we do initial interviews, you know, about six weeks in. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's when I say to the parents, I don't mind what you think of my subject outside, but please, when you are with your children, pretend it's the best thing ever. (laughs) (laughs) Or just don't say anything negative. Um, And so I get them into that idea of we are here and we want to do something fun. And if we can turn it into a game, great. Mm -hmm. Um, If we can't, let's... Let's see if we can do some interesting things around it. Mm-hmm. A physical stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Can I actually build a game mm-hmm. um, or do something that will be interesting? Mm-hmm. And then I say to the parents, and at home, I want you to do it as well. And they go, but I could never do maths when I was a kid. That is the perfect starting point. Mm-hmm. Don't tell them you could never do maths, um, but get the students to teach you. You know, you may have spotted with your kids coming home with maths problems. Mm -hmm. They do things differently Mm -hmm. than how we were taught. And I say to the parents, get them to teach you. They get the ownership. They get excited. Mm. And then you go, oh, thank you. I finally understand it, even if you don't. Um, (laughs) Show me again. Show me on another problem. Mm. That power of the, the child teaching their parents something whether the parents know it or not, just makes them feel so much better. Hmm. So you notice that those children who are having that interaction with their parents, like it's making a huge difference. It, it really like. does help. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I'm now going to sidetrack slightly. One of the really sad things is that it's really embarrassing to be illiterate. Can you imagine anybody saying, oh, I can't read, hmm. but it's not an issue. And people not laughing at them. I mean, it just wouldn't happen. Mm. And yet, in our communities now, it's cool to go, oh, I can't do maths, Mm. but that's okay. We need to turn the whole mindset around of everybody and go, actually, you know what? Reading, doing maths, both essential. Mm -hmm. And let's try and build it together. Mm -hmm. And try and turn it around so it's not cool to be enumerate. 
Mm. That's my mission in life. Right. That's good. <laughs> and um, just thinking through, uh, I guess, the next steps in your career and things, because I, I think you've gotten involved in sort of an association for maths mm. teachers, right? Um, can you just explain a bit about that? It started, oh, I can't remember how many years ago, eight or something. Mm. I got this email. For, so most of us join our maths association right. and um, ours is NZEMT, New Zealand Association of Maths Teachers. And I got an email saying, we're writing resources. We'd like people to volunteer to come along and help write. And I thought, that sounds like fun. Mm -hmm. And I went along and I met, oh my God, my family joke about maths camp. But I met this whole bunch of people who were like-minded. And um, we sat around playing cards in the evening. Um, and during the day, we wrote assessment resources. Because NCA is very, uh, it's, kind of unbalanced towards internal assessment and I can totally see the reason why but it means that there's a lot of extra work on teachers to prepare stuff right so NZAMT were writing tasks and I went great awesome and then I managed to they liked having young enthusiastic people and in, in the executive and so I managed to somehow get um voted into the executive and um it's just really awesome to be in this group of people who are passionate about maths education, mm -hmm. want people to be doing well and supported, want to support the maths teachers out there because they often feel really isolated. And so I got into this national network, which is just incredible. Hmm. And then so I've managed to get involved in things like helping run maths competitions. We have a really fun one, the senior maths competition. Um, the last few two years we've hosted in Wellington and we've done tours of Weta, the Weta Cave, which is right. just great. Taking all of these geeky kids through looking at the Thunderbirds exhibit. Right. Awesome. <laughs> um, and the thing I love about what you're saying, though, as well, is you've used the word fun so many times, <laughs> which is kind of the taking the conceptions that we have about maths, which is for most of us, honestly, you know, it's kind it's of the a, antithesis. It's the subject that we didn't really have fun in. Maybe, I know. Um, but you just said, you know, I got the chance to write these uh, resources for math teachers, which was so fun. And then I got the chance to do this, which was so fun, <laughs> which is, yeah, it's great. It's very consistent with well, your message. That's so right. So that's good. <laughs> yeah. And, and actually the resources that we're writing, we try to make them interesting so that the kids won't sit there and go, oh, it's another test. Not them. another, yeah. They'll start giggling. Um, there's one that, that we put together and it's all about my family's camping trip. Okay. And so my sister's mentioned, um, my daughter's mentioned. And so anybody who knows anything about my family just sniggers when they read it. Right. Um, my sister has never seen it. I should probably <laughs> show her one day. Uh, yeah. And we did one about glamping. Okay. <laughs> and I, I just see the kids, they, they open it up and they look at me and they roll their eyes. Yeah. Um, She's had too much fun with this one. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So how many maths teachers are there throughout the country? Is it hard mm. is it easy to put a number on it or is it or is it kind of people drift in and out in terms of the subjects that they that they teach? Yeah, I we do actually have membership numbers for NZAMT. Mm -hmm. Um and I'm now the national treasurer. Mm -hmm. Well, I have been. I'm actually just coming off at the next AGM. Um but I can't remember off the top of my head, mm. but it's not enough. Mm. And the problem is that um, people aren't getting into the teaching. Mm -hmm. So our average age is old. Mm -hmm. um, I'm 
I was going to say my age, but I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I You're am, relatively young compared yeah, to the average. Maybe. I'm considered to be one of the young maths teachers, yeah. and I'm not. You know, yeah, I've sure. got a 14-year-old daughter, yeah. so that puts me in that slightly heading towards the older age bracket. Yeah. Um, so I think it's really sad that even though we do have a really good number of teachers out there, there are still not enough. Mm. And the teachers that are having to go in front of the classes are not always maths background people, so they don't have the same passion as me. Mm. So what would be your message to anybody listening who's you know, considering teaching and why would they go down this route? Oh, if you love maths and you love working with people, it's... It's a calling that is worth pursuing. Mm. Um, but you have to be willing to interact with people and um, and build relationships mm-hmm. because that is the key. Mm-hmm. I, I don't teach maths, I teach students. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, it, you've got to have that passion. Mm. But, yes, if you are... If you're a good mathematician and you like children, please consider teaching. Yeah. (laughs) And just the resources that you mentioned, like if people are listening and they're thinking, "Mm, maybe I didn't, maybe I didn't get the education about math. I never saw math as beautiful or fun. Like, are there resources out there for people who might want to explore it now? You know, having finished studying. Interestingly, I actually, um, some of the parents say to me, what can I do to supplement my kids at home? Right. And I say, look at the websites. There are some really fun websites. I keep using the word fun. One mm. of them is called Maths is Fun. Right. Um, but if, it, you know, for, for people who are out of school and they don't have kids in that situation, they could also just, you know, play around on some of these websites. Mm. Um, we've started doing um, Luminosity, which is a really fun brain game. And there's, um, it's cognitive and all sorts of stuff on our mobile phones. And there's a bunch of them that are actually maths games. And so you can get all these little apps on your phone. There's a great game, 2048. Hmm. And um, it's just putting numbers together. Hmm. And you, you, you've got two numbers of the same type. You put them together and they double. And your target is to get to 2048. Okay. Which is a power of two. So you're actually learning your powers of two. Hmm. All of these little skills are hidden in fun games. It's interesting because I remember, you know, you used to turn to the crossword page and there would be little word games and crossword puzzles. And then all of a sudden there was this thing with a grid. Sudoku. Yeah, Sudoku. (laughs) What is Sudoku? And it was like this big hot trend, you know, it was like everybody's doing Sudoku. And even now it's in the newspaper oh, every day, you know, yeah. which is that mathematics is fun sort of. And it, they're just kind of like crosswords with numbers instead yeah. of instead of letters. Mm. Um, really straightforward. Yeah. And it's looking at patterns and fitting things together. Mm. Yeah, they're great fun. Mm. So as someone who loves maths, who are the rock stars of the maths world in terms of either living or dead, <laughs> um, who are the people who you'd go, wow, they have contributed so much to this to this area? Is there any, because, you know, like I love reading and writing, you know, so mm. there's novelists and people I would love to meet. We're, we're, we're meeting at my house and behind us, there's a whole bookshelf of books. And so yeah, I could I'm point so to you and say- I'm so tempted to grab them and start reading. Yeah, <laughs> but I could point and say, right, 
Kazuo Ishiguro, you should read him, Annie Dillard, Alan Kernow. You know, like there's、mm. some people that have really done an amazing thing with the written word. Is there a similar equivalent、I、in the maths world? I try to remember、or? all of these names、yeah. of people that I've read and thought, oh my goodness, that was, person was inspiring.、Um, but I'm really bad at remembering them. One of the first ones that I studied, though, was actually Euclid. I mean, we're talking. That's a couple thousand years, right?、Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm dying to visit the island of Pythagoras and、right. where all of those guys sort of hung out and did stuff. Euclid was amazing.、Hmm. And Euclid's geometry was groundbreaking. And、right. I did a whole course at university just studying the history and、um, the proofs of Euclid.、Hmm. Beautiful.、Hmm. Um, there's another guy, though, that. So that's. Extremely long ago. Yeah. And then I discovered a new guy,、um, Rob Easterway. He's English、hmm. and he's,、uh, I think, maybe our age.、Hmm. Um, and he was out here on a speaking tour、hmm. uh, last year or the year before.、And、so what's, what's he done? He does,、uh, he does like problems that one of his books is called How Many Socks Make a Pair? The whole idea of that premise is that、um, you, you're getting dressed in the dark. You've got a whole lot, you can't be bothered bundling up your socks into pairs.、Mm-hmm. So you know that you only have two colours of socks in the drawer. You reach in in the dark, you pull out. How many socks do you have to pull out to be absolutely guaranteed that you will have two matching socks?、Mm. And actually, three socks make a pair. Right. Because You pull every out time. the first、yeah. one, the second one is either going to match,、yeah. or it's going to be the opposite.、Mm. The next one will either match the first sock or the second sock.、Mm. Three.、Mm. Um, so he does all sorts of cute little problems like that.、Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, on the surface, look really basic. Right. And then as you read through, you go, oh, oh that's got a kick、it's、to another it. another layer here.、Huh? Mm. 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 So I'm, I'm loving his books.、Mm. Um, so, he's, so, so what you've described was. That's the short summary, right? <laughs> yeah, that's the books one themselves, Yeah, but he goes deeper with it, does he? Or what? Yeah, and there's just so many different problems. He talks about card tricks.、Hmm. Simple one deck of cards, and there's a whole chapter about the maths that you can do with one deck of cards、hmm. and, and shuffling. Yeah, how many times do you actually have to shuffle to get total randomness? I see. So, great stuff. Yeah. Um, And another person who's actually quite. So, all these people that, like, sorry, but that. Yeah, so, it it's, it's, comes back to the real world, doesn't it? You know, like、yeah. playing cards and how many times do you shuffle to get true randomness? Like, that's a real world issue. Oh, absolutely. Because we were playing cards last night, and if we hadn't shuffled, then it, <laughs> the game would have been quite different, right? And I suspect one time you didn't shuffle very well and you did win. Were you watching that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. Yeah. So, so,、um, It's back it, to it, that real world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Connecting the maths with reality. That's right.、Hmm. Yeah. Is there anybody else that springs to mind that people might be interested in? Well, if you. Because we can put links in the show notes as well. If, okay. If well,、are. if you're following Twitter and you want to find a really cool mathematician who's doing some interesting stuff and talking about maths education,、mm-hmm. Dan Meyer in America、mm-hmm. is、um, he's fun. And he, <laughs> that word again. Yeah.、Um, But he's really interested in maths education and making it interesting to our students. Okay. So、um, he's a little bit younger.、Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but he oh my goodness if I could actually be taught by him mm-hmm. that would be amazing mm-hmm. because he sounds like he's got the same sort of idea as me mm-hmm. how can I actually make this real mm-hmm. to my students build those relationships build those real world problems that they're interested mm-hmm. in and keep them in I was going to say entertained, but it's not that. Mm. Keep them interested. Engaged, maybe. Yeah. Engaged. So, yeah, well, what we'll do is we'll put some links to these names and things. If people are interested, they can find out more. Great. Have you had any experiences, you know, having taught for as long as you have, where you've there was a student that stood out or whatever, and then five, ten years later, you've heard something of what they've gone on to do in maths or um, in other ways that, that because uh, I always thought that would be an amazing thing to be a teacher and then to one day meet somebody who you taught, mm. you know, a decade or two decades before and find out, oh, you're now doing this or that. Has that happened at all? Or? None of them are jumping out at me right mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. but it's interesting. Um, I have this deal that once students have left school, mm-hmm. they're allowed to find me on Facebook. Mm-hmm. They're not allowed to friend me on Facebook while I'm their teacher. Um, and it's interesting, you know, five or ten years later, I get this really random Facebook message mm. from a student saying, hey, just just thought I'd let you know. You know how I complained that I was never going to use that? Mm-hmm. I've used it. Mm. Um, and so they're not jumping out at me off the top of my head. I can't name any. Yeah. But there have been through the, t- through the years these ones oh my goodness, you weren't lying. <laughs> <laughs> which comes back to the planting seeds, right, that, that grow right. up, and which is how I came up with the name for this podcast, that you don't know the ripple effects, you know, that yeah. fi- maybe it's the fact that another 10 years goes by and then you're going to find out that somebody that you taught has gone on to, you know, use it in this or that way and is designing rockets that go into space or whatever. <laughs> I... I s- have students dotted now all over the world doing right. the most fascinating things. Mm. And they're not always maths-based stuff, but mm. but I look at them and I go, wow, you know, I taught you mm-hmm. and and I, I remember you mm-hmm. and look at how far you've gone. Mm. So that comes back to that idea that I teach students mm-hmm. and not not the subject mm-hmm. it's those kids that are that are coming through my classroom every day mm-hmm. um, I'm actually taking a year out from teaching this year doing something slightly different mm-hmm. um, and I'm not going to miss the paperwork I'm not going to miss the marking mm-hmm. I'm going to miss my kids right and um, so I I have said that I'll go back and possibly help with the school production just so I can touch base with them again maintain the relationship and yeah the connections yeah mm-hmm. But I bumped into one. I've started working in the city. Mm. Uh, I feel very corporate. It's a bit weird. <laughs> You've gone to the city. <laughs> <laughs> and um, walking into work one day, I mm-hmm. bumped into um, one of the girls who was in my form class well, years ago. And she's actually just got her master's. Mm. Um, and she was our babysitter, so got to know her fairly well. Right. And just this, this, oh, my goodness, miss, it's so good to see you again. I don't, I don't mind what she's doing. She's happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and she remembers me kind of fondly. Mm. So it's good. That is good. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And in, uh, um, just f- thinking about the future and in terms of maths and making it more interesting, like have you got thoughts or ideas about where we're headed as a country or, you know, there's a lot of talk about STEM and science, technology, engineering and maths and getting mm. people interested in those subjects, which I think is 
great, you know, Absolutely. definitely the, the way of the future, isn't it? Rather than sort of other, other subjects. But um, yeah, what are your, what's your thoughts in terms of crystal ball gazing, you know, 10 years from now or whatever? I think 10 years from now, we will not recognize our classrooms. Right. Um, I, the way that we're going, especially with, so um, I've actually started working on NCEA and looking at the review and how it's going. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ideas behind it and all of the research I've been doing says that the way we're going is actually a really good way. We are making it applicable. We're using that toolbox idea mm-hmm. and and looking ahead um, if you and I walked into the classrooms in 10 years' time, we would possibly freak out slightly. Right. In what way? In, in the sense of it's very um, problem-solving? Yes. Focused? Yes. So you're in a team and you're working on, we're building a stadium and we need to design this or that. And exactly. then you're bringing in the accounting and the, the law and the maths and everything. And the graphics that, and right? the... Exactly, and that's that's where I think we actually need to be going. Mm-hmm. You know, the the jobs that we're preparing our students for don't exist yet. Mm-hmm. Um, my daughter, when she leaves school, the job that she goes into, I, I probably will completely not understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we need to be preparing them for that changing future Mm -hmm. and I think we've done education the same way for so long you sit down and you do over and over the same sort of problem Mm -hmm. we need to get past that because Mm -hmm. that's not the way the world is moving Mm -hmm. so yeah your idea of Mm -hmm. we're going to build a stadium absolutely Mm. I heard someone else suggest something about um, ecology we want to save the local wetlands because there's all of these native birds in there mm-hmm. what can we do practically and what are all the subjects that are going to feed into that yeah so instead of starting with the subject and then going to the project i think we're going to i suspect we're going to start with the project mm-hmm. and then say here are all of the things that feed into that mm-hmm. now one of the things we have to keep in mind in doing that though is that you have to have the tools in your toolkit before you can tackle the big problems mm-hmm so if you are looking at building a stadium, they have to know that there are a thousand millimeters in a meter. Right. If they don't learn that fact off by heart, they're going to struggle. Mm-hmm. You have to know your basic facts and how to add. Because if your brain is focusing on those basic key points, they can't see the big picture. Mm-hmm. So our problem solving that that we're doing needs to rely on the basic facts and the basic skills that we already have. Mm-hmm. So even though I think that long term we're going to do things completely differently, we still have to have those basic building blocks. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's so important for our kids to learn their times tables off by heart. Mm-hmm. And that's such an unpopular view with some people. <laughs> but, you know, I still had the times table chart on our to- toilet door. Mm-hmm. Um, it was good for me to remember them. Good to refresh. Yeah. So, so let's just be devil's advocate for a second. Yeah. The mobile phones that we hold in our hands every day have more computational power, you know, like compared to the computers of decades ago. That like it's incredible. Yes. Do we really need to know about this math stuff if we've got 
a handheld device that can do everything for us? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, <laughs> did you like the way I phrased it there? Because oh, I, I know you don't agree with it, but I just wanted to throw <laughs> it in there. Ah, <laughs> uh, and and you know what? If you're doing a big computation, uh, why would I do that in my head? Mm. Uh, I've got a calculator in my hand. Mm. Except, um, as you've mentioned, we're on a caravanning trip around the island, and um, I'm terrible with data, and I've run out of data completely three days into the month and my battery is running really flat mm. so I keep going to do stuff and pull out my phone and it's flat right so I kind of have to use my brain mm. um and actually why are we relying on technology for basics that we can do in our head mm. do you have to look up the word and every time you go to write it down mm. and I I like doing that that comparison between English and maths because mm -hmm. those are my two subject areas mm -hmm. and I look at the basics that we do in English compared with the basics we do in maths mm -hmm. if I'm going to sit down and write a sentence I kind of need to know how those letters go together mm -hmm. to make the sentence otherwise people won't understand it yeah so I'm not going to look up how to spell the word fox every time I want to write the word fox so why should I do that with mice? Yeah, yeah it makes sense. Mm. So sometimes on this podcast, I ask the question, and I think I know the answer already, but purpose in your life and what we've been talking about, maths, like how do you feel that they've intersected in terms of your own, I guess, contribution? Half the time I actually feel that I am just stumbling through life mm -hmm. and things just keep popping up. Mm -hmm. And um, part of me says God puts things in my way that I need to be doing. Mm -hmm. Do I have an overall purpose? I must do. Um, <laughs> and, and as I'm talking to you, I'm feeling that part of my purpose in life is actually to make people positive about their learning. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have said that five years ago. Mm. Um, but I know that these things are just going to pop up that I know I need to do, and I do them. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there is a there is a big purpose there, but most of the time, day to day, I'm just stumbling stumbling along and yeah. living, focusing on the relationships. Absolutely, <laughs> and everything comes back to those relationships. Yeah, that's great. Well, it's been wonderful to have you on the podcast. Thank you for joining me, Lauren. It's really oh. great and just to be able to connect with you again after a couple of years. Yeah, it's um, been awesome fun. So yeah, thanks for yeah. chatting to me. No, no problem at all. And what we'll do is in the show notes, we'll put some links to various things. If if you can let me know what you think people might like to see, to, to see this, um, some of the ones that you've mentioned. And um, yeah, we'll just, uh, that way people can access more. We'll open the door for them oh, to maths is fun. I'm sure I can find you a whole lot more fun. I suddenly thought of the guy that I've been working with in Australia, okay. um, Anthony Herodine. And so we'll put a link to his maths craft as well, because that really is fun. Let's do it. All awesome. right. Well, thank you for joining me. Thank you for giving your time to share with me. It no was problem. awesome. Great. Well, I do hope you enjoyed that conversation with Lauren Burr. I know for me, it was fascinating to talk with someone who loves mathematics as much as she does. If you're interested in finding out more about some of the people and things that she mentioned, they are in the show notes. And if you do like this episode, then consider checking out some of the earlier ones as well, because we're up to almost 100 episodes now. And don't forget, there is a Facebook page, a Twitter account, and there's a website, www.theseeds.nz. Until next time.